May as well. Wait, 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 wait. Mea culpa. Can you can you stop it, please? Just one second, oh my God. please. Mayan is a batter. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one, Mayan. Love is a battlefield. Okay, we'll do that one. It's racist. Both of them are racist. Oh, where's my people's history of the United States? To my apartment. Hello, everyone, <laughs> and welcome to another episode of Literally Literary. With us, as always, is Mr. Sean, Sean Fall. I am Joey Bonnier, and he's selling, but I ain't buying, Sean O'Brien. So you have used that one. I know. I, I like that one a lot, though. Hmm. I told you I've used them all. I am hungry. Not yeah. doing mystifying. I'm not hungry. That's what you get for eating hungry. salad like a goddamn rabbit. I ate like three pieces of pizza mm. in one of your one, one of the pepperoni knot things. Mm. Yeah, and you sat in a chair for two hours. Is that why I'm still hungry or I don't understand? I'm make being sarcastic. Oh. I don't know why you're hungry. Why, why is that sarcastic? Oh. Because you haven't expended any energy. I, would, I don't think you know how sarcasm works. <laughs> <laughs> part is it's <laughs> he laughs so hard every time i use one of those and it's really only like partially true and i know that you know but you get so offended each time but sean laughs so fucking hard every time you realize that <laughs> you shouldn't judge your joke based on him laughing he's a doofus damn yeah that was that was hurtful fucking really that, that, that was me. hurtful that hurt me that's a, that's a hard d there man <laughs> I know there's Oreos there, but I don't want Oreos. My tooth is going to... I can't... Oh, my God. I ate steak last night. That was good. I had steak <laughs> Was it rare? Uh, no, it was medium rare. God damn, you didn't even get my joke. We haven't eaten it's in a long, long time. It's been a long time. That was good. There you go. I don't think I'm mad when someone doesn't get your shitty joke. Well, now I have to explain it, and it sounds really stupid. <laughs> um, Not as stupid as that joke. Hi-oh. Oh, there we go. That's, that was about yeah. it. That was yeah. Um. Well, yeah. we're not eating, though. Anyway, how are you guys doing? Everyone all right? Yeah. Just did an LL. It's getting late. It's about seven. Mm. <laughs> we didn't just do an LL. We just did a tink. Oh, yeah. Sorry. A tink. Doesn't matter. Tink. No one cares. Well, in the interest of truth, he wants to say as many true things as possible. Oh, no, Jesus Christ. Hey, that's not nice. That was hurt. Are you experiencing I'm sadness? Experiencing sadness. That was, that was not nice. Um, anyway, I have books. Um, I have. All right. Three. I'll give you guys the option one, two, or three. What do you want? One, two, or three. What did we do last time? Door number two last time. Uh, fuck that. Uh, three. That was a bad choice. Bad choice. Sean. Milk is a bad you choice. Bad choice. <laughs> You've chosen poorly. You've chosen very poorly. I feel like every choice is a bad choice. Yeah. This is this is a rigged game. It's true. The, uh, uh, the, might, the deck is stacked against me. Yeah, I might. This might not even. Be. All right. Oh, Jesus what Christ! Is what is this? this? So you got a brick of some sort. Looks like a cinder block it's with some fanciness on shit. it. Um, oh no! What is this? Oh the, no! The, I can't read. I have uh, "Remembrance what? of Things Past" by mm. Marcel Proust, Volume One. I have oh, "Remembrance Jesus. of Things Past" by Marcel Proust, Volume Two, and I have "Remembrance of Things Past" by Marcel Proust, Volume Three. The, um, the man for as, which the scale is devised. This is also known as uh, "In Search of Lost Time." Um, if you look up, like, <laughs> because the greatest, you don't want to read it, <laughs> yeah, because you will lose all of time to reading Nobody this. Nobody has read this. Nobody, yeah. literally, <laughs> L- even even Marcel Proust didn't read. <laughs> um, this, if you look at any kind of list, this is usually like you know the kind of number one book of heaviest of books, anything <laughs> of anything, yeah, of anything. 
pretty much. Yeah, look it up. Look up greatest book, greatest book ever written, greatest novel ever written. If we're going by like cost to weight ratio, maybe. But I mean, like Don Quixote is always way up there, but that's like you know, like 16th century thing. Ulysses a lot, of, a lot of times has a thing. Uh, seeing uh, Moby Dick every now and then. Seeing has Great Gatsby. Great pa- Gatsby's way up there too. You're right. Yeah. Pas- oh, I also have the Great Gatsby. Passage uh, to Scott India. Anna Karenina. Yeah, to Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> One hundred Years of Solitude. Invisible Man. Don Quixote. Beloved. Mrs. Dalloway, things fall apart. Jane Eyre. Are you still looking for the same one? What, what list you, is that? What are you? What are you doing? Just looking twelve. Are you novels just Rain Manning over the there? greatest book ever? Oh, okay. You asked me what the greatest book ever written was, and oh, God. I, so I was reading a list of people said twelve. Shrimp salad, God, shrimp scampi. Mrs. Dalloway's people consider the greatest novel ever written. According to Britannica.com. I mean, I love Britannica. Still a thing? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Look it up. <laughs> but I will say that the greatest books, according to thegreatestbooks.org, number one, Don Quixote. Number two, In Search, in search of, of Lost, Lost Time. time. Number Cheers. three. Ulysses. Mm-hmm. Boom. Number four. Moby Dick. Close. Well, not close. The Odyssey. Dick Moby. <laughs> oh. Number five, War and Peace. Six, oh. Moby Dick. Number seven, Divine Comedy. Does that count as a novel? I guess it does. Neither does Don Quixote. That's the thing. Like, Don Quixote mm-hmm. is also, like, right, verse poem. Yeah. Hamlet is number eight. Huckleberry Finn number Play, nine. So. Yeah. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> it's like definitely not a book. Um, okay, that's cool. Great well, Gatsby 10, Iliad 11. Three, so. Sorry, I'll stop. It's fine. No, no, no. Okay. Do you want... I mean, you don't really have an option. I'm looking at three things in a box. I don't know. Just, you tell me what you need me to do here. <sighs> I got I, I got some dice. I can roll some dice. I've I don't never know what read to do. this because it's huge. Is it like the Bible? Do we just turn to a page and start no, reading? No, I'll How did you beginning. receive this? That's a, okay. Good question. Um, <laughs> Thanks. The the when I was at Ohio State, the 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 library every like kind of someone threw it out the window and hit him in the head with it. <laughs> I wish. That's, the library um, would always do like a like a book sale um, of whatever they had gotten or found at some point, whatever. However, they acquired their books. Um, and it was one room, and they did it every quarter, I want to say. So it wasn't very often. Um, anyway, I, I went the first day, and this was there. and Fucking grabbed it. And I remember one of my old teachers. It was either an old teacher. I don't remember. He ended up being like a fellow student. I took a graduate class in my third year. Um, and he was just a graduate student. Get to the point. I saw it, and I grabbed it. And he's like, you fucking bastard. Because it was not, this was not, this was like 100 bucks back in the day. This was not easy to get. It looks um, like a yeah, nice one. It, but I got it for like 30 bucks. Now, of course, you can get it for fucking nothing <laughs> um can't give this shit away kind of yeah but it, look, um, it looks really cool like the illustrations are really cool yeah man it's it, it is there's a famous i i don't know why it's good i don't know why everyone loves it it's it's reportedly modern is it, it's in french it's i don't this is not the french version obviously oh. but it was written in french so. i was about to throw it out the window that would be funny though <laughs> like this book especially would be the funniest thing to see you throw out of <laughs> and yeah it's probably i don't know it would be the most seventeen pounds. Sean what do you think, Sean? Thing. How, how much did that weigh? Uh, it's like a fifteen. It's like a fifteener. Fifteen, it's seventeen. A, it's a good bowling ball. Joey. Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe. Maybe ten. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> trying to. Trying to be all like. I don't know. <laughs> you, you guys are just weak. <laughs> I can. Just weak. <laughs> I'm teasing you. I know. It's okay. Just trying to win prices right. Let's just go. Then you would have said one. Let's just go. It'll be funny to hear you guys make fun of this. I've never really read it. And if we stop, we'll stop. It's fine. It's a good winter. It's a wonderful winter. How would you know? You haven't read it. I've read the beginning of it. 
Um, and I know the beginning. I, although I wish I had, I really want to get the new, I think I want to read the newer translation. Um, cause this one is just an older version of the translation. There's a better one, but this was the it's one old French. That's good. I do have books in old French. Jesus horrifyingly. Um, all right, kids. Remembrance of things past, also known as in search of lost time by Marcel Proust. Um, you guys will probably recognize the like sort of opening premise of Oh, I already don't like Proust just from looking at his picture. Oh, remember, we, this is what we, we rank the yeah. pretentious, the, the level of pretension in Proust's. So, oh, he has this. No, this is number one. Mm. This is the most pretentious thing in the world. So it's. You it's should see this picture, Sean Fa. It is pretension. Yeah, that's a Silver Lake hipster. That's homophobic. Uh, he was really gay. Oh, what, wait, what? How were we homophobic? Hipsters can't didn't be gay. He was gay. You're looking at the picture and you're thinking he's gay. What? We didn't say that. I'm kidding you. It's okay. I don't really know much about Marcel Proust. Um, well, okay. The, the only thing I really remember is in um, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. Steve Carell's character is a Proust scholar. I do remember that. And he's, yeah. anyway. Proust has got no, the, he's the Steve Buscemi most, eyes. Second, yeah, he's the, he's the second most famous Proust scholar. <laughs> <laughs> and he's in love with oh, his teacher. Oh, no, no. Teacher. He is the most. He's like, he's because Michael Sugarman, whatever it was. Sugarman. The second like, most took Sugarman his... is probably the second most uh, renowned Proust scholar in the world. And, and uh, what's his name's character? He's like, oh, who's the first? And he's like, that would be me. <laughs> uh, Kinnear, Greg Kinnear. All right. So many levels of douchebaggery. There's a lot of it, Shawnee. Born 1871, died 1922. He had it coming. Overture. Oh, God. <laughs> I had to say, I actually wasn't going to say it, but I knew Sean was going <laughs> to I love that it has an overture. Of course it does. Dun, 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 it could, it could dun, dun, not dun, dun, have dun, dun. an overture. I'm sorry there's not a prologue and an overture and an introduction. <laughs> and a table dun, 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 dun. of contents. So the first part is called Swan's Way. Overture. For a long time, I used to go to bed early. Sometimes, when I had put out my candle, my eyes would close so quickly that I had not even time to say to myself, I'm falling asleep. And half an hour later... That sounds the, unsafe. He's going to like burn himself alive. The thought that it was time to go to sleep would awaken me. I would make as if to put away the book, which I imagined was still in my hands, and to blow out the light. I had gone on thinking while I was asleep about what I had just been reading. But these thoughts had taken a rather peculiar turn. It seemed to me that I myself was the immediate subject of my book. A church, a quartet, the rivalry between Francois I and Charles V. This impression would persist for some moments after I awoke. It did not offend my reason, but lay like scales upon my eyes and prevented them from registering the fact that the candle was no longer burnt. Then it would begin to seem unintelligible, as the thoughts of a former existence must be to a reincarnate subject, or spirit, sorry. The subject of my book would separate itself from me, leaving me free to apply myself to it or not, and at the same time my sight would return, and I would be astonished to find myself in a state of darkness, pleasant and restful enough for my eyes but even more, perhaps, for my mind, to which it appeared incomprehensible, without a cause, something dark and deep. Inconceivable. I would ask myself what time it could be. I could hear the whistling of trains, which, now nearer and now farther off, punctuating the distance like the note of a bird in a forest, showed me in perspective the deserted countryside through which a traveler is hurrying towards the nearby station, and the path he is taking will be engraved in his, me in his memory by the excitement induced by strange surroundings, by unaccustomed activities, by the, conversations he by the conversation he has had 
and the farewells exchanged beneath an unfamiliar lamp still echoing in his ears amid the silence of the night by the imminent joy of going home. I would lay my cheeks gently against the comfortable cheeks of my pillow, as plump and blooming as the cheeks of a baby of babyhood. I would strike Pillows a match. have cheeks? Yeah. I would strike <laughs> a match to... It's just imagery. <laughs> I would strike a match to look at my watch. Nearly midnight. The hour when an invalid, who had been obliged to set out on a journey and to sleep in a strange hotel, awakened by a sudden spasm, sees with glad relief a streak of daylight showing under his door. Thank God it is... The service will be about in a minute. He can ring and someone will come to look after him. The thought of being assuaged gives him strength to endure the, his pain. He is certain he heard footsteps come nearer and then die away. The ray of light beneath his door is extinguished. It is mid. Someone has just turned down the gas. The last servant has gone to bed and he must lie all night in agony with no one to bring him. I would fall asleep again and thereafter would reawaken for short snatches only, just long enough to hear the regular creaking of the, winds of the wainscot, or to open my eyes to stare at the shifting kaleidoscope of the darkness, to savor in a momentary glimmer of consciousness the sleep which lay heavy upon the furniture, room, the whole of which I formed, but an insignificant part whose insensibility I should very soon return to share. Or else while sleeping I had drifted back to an earlier stage of my life, now forever outgrown, and had come under the thrall of one of my childish terrors, such as that old terror of my great-uncle's pulling my curls, which was effectually dispelled on the day, the dawn of a new era to me, when they were finally cropped from my head. I had forgotten the event during my sleep, but I remembered it again immediately. I had succeeded in waking myself up to escape my great-uncle's fingers, and a measure of precaution, I would bury the whole of my head in the pillow before returning to the world of Sometimes, too, as Eve was created from the rib of Adam, a woman would be born during my sleep from some strain in the position of my thighs, conceived in the pleasure I was on the point of cons consummating. She, it was, I imagined, who offered me that pleasure. My body, conscious that its own warmth was permeating hers, would strive to become one with her, and I would awake. The rest of humanity seemed very remote in comparison with this woman whose company I had left but a moment ago. My cheek was still warm from her kiss. My body ached beneath the weight of hers. If, as would sometimes happen, she had the features of some woman whom I had known in waking hours, I would abandon myself altogether to the sole quest of her, like people who set out on the journey to see with their eyes some city of their desire, and imagine that one can taste in reality what had charmed one's fancy. And then, gradually, the memory of her would dissolve and vanish until I had forgotten the girl of my dream. When a man is asleep... He has in a circle round him the chain of the hours, the sequence of the years, the order of the heavenly host. Instinctively, when he awakes, he looks to these, and in an instant reads off his own position on the earth's surface and the time that had elapsed during his slumbers. But this ordered possession is apt to grow confused and to break its ranks. Suppose that, towards morning, after a night of insomnia, deep sleep descends upon him while he is reading, in a, quite a different position from that which he normally goes to sleep, he is only to lift his arm to arrest the sun and turn it back and turn it back in its course. And at the moment of waking, he will have no idea of the time, but will conclude that he has just gone to bed. Or suppose that he doses off in some even more abnormal and divergent position, sitting in an armchair, for instance, after dinner. Then the world will go hurling out of orbit. The magic chair will carry him off at full speed through time and space. And when he opens his eyes again, he will imagine that he went to sleep months earlier in another place. But for me, it was enough if. 
in my own bed, my sleep was so heavy as completely to relax my consciousness. For then, I lost all sense of the place in which I had gone to sleep. When I awoke in the middle of the night, not knowing where I was, I could not even be sure at first who I was. I had only the most rudimentary sense of existence, such as may lurk and flicker in the depths of an animal's consciousness. I was more destitute than the cave-dweller, than the memory, not yet of the place in which I was, but the various places where I had lived and might now very possibly be, would come like a rope let down from heaven Jesus, to draw no me out of the abyss of pounds. not being, from which I could, I could never have escaped by myself. In a flash, I would traverse centuries of civilization, and out of a blurred glimpse of oil lamps, then of shirts turned down collars would gradually piece together the original components of my ego. Perhaps the immobility of the things that surround us is forced upon them by our conviction that they are themselves, and not anything else, by the immobility of our conception of them. For it has always happened that when I awoke like this, and my mind struggled in an unsuccessful attempt to discover where I was, everything resolved around me as though the darkness, things, places, years. My body, still too heavy with sleep to move, would endeavor to construe from the pattern of its tiredness the position of its various limbs in order to deduce therefrom the direction of the wall, the location of the furniture, to piece together and give a name to the house in which it lay. Its memory, the composite memory of its ribs, its knees, its shoulder blades, offered it a whole series of rooms in which it had, one, it, it had at one time or another slept while the unseen walls, shifting and adapting themselves to the shape of each successive room that it remembered, whirled round it in the dark. And even before my brain, lingering in cogitation over when things had happened and when they had looked like, had resembled the circumstances sufficiently to identify the room, it, my body, would recall from each room in succession the style of the bed, the position of the door, the angle at which the daylight came in at the windows, whether there was a passage outside, what had I in my mind when I went to sleep and found there when I awoke? The stiffened side of the, on which I would lay, for instance, in trying to fix its position, imagined itself to be lying face to the wall in a big bed with a canopy. And at once, I would say to myself, Why, I must have fallen asleep before Mama came to say goodnight. For I was in the country at my grandfather's, who died years ago. And my body, which side, I, which side upon which I was laying, Faithful guardians of the past, which my mind should never have forgotten, brought back before my eyes the glimmering frame <clears throat> of the nightlight in its up urn-shaped bowl of bohemian glass that hung by chains from the ceiling, and the chimney piece of sienna marble in my bedroom at Cambrai, in my grandparents' house, in those far distant days which I, which at this moment I imagined to be in the present without being able to picture them exactly, and which would become plainer in a little while as properly awake. I'm going to keep going. Hang on. I'm going to keep going. It's not that far. I just want to get this one very important moment that I'm not 100% sure where it hits, but. Where he actually falls asleep? Or is he already asleep? Jesus Christ. I'm asleep. This is fucking inception. Then the memory of a new position would spring up and the wall would slide away in another direction. I was in my room in <clears throat> Mademoiselle, or uh, Madame Saint Loup's house in the country. Good heavens, it must be 10 o'clock. They will have finished dinner. I must have overslept myself. Have you, this ever happened to you guys when you like this sort of, the, the, everything he's talking about? What's he talking about? <laughs> the, the, a lot of shit. 
first of all, not knowing where or when you are when you wake up after falling asleep early. Yeah, that happens to me. Isn't that okay? It's, it's captured so beautifully here. It's like I haven't really read this. It's kind of nice. Like it's I, like a bad is, Seinfeld. This bit. is hitting me. It's, yeah. not, it's not funny. <laughs> It's yeah, not funny. exactly. It's, That's it's, the problem. It's yeah, not funny. It's a bad <laughs> Seinfeld bit. It's not. It's not a Seinfeld bit. It's funny. It's a poem. It's it's literal poetry of the. Uh, it's the whole idea of that. It's uh, not literal poetry. Uh, it doesn't even rhyme. Have you heard about these uh, people that wake up in the middle of the day after napping and not knowing where they are? You ever had that dream where you went to work and you did your work day and then you woke up and realized you got to go and do a work day? I must have overslept myself in the little nap, which I always take when I come in from my walk with men. With Mademoiselle de, uh, de Saint Loup before dressing for the evening. For many years have now elapsed since the Cambrai days when, coming in from the longest and latest walks, I would still be in time to see the reflection of the sunset glowing in the panes of my bedroom window. It is a different kind of life that we Reading it faster doesn't make it at more interesting. Tanzanville at Mademoiselle <laughs> Screaming is better acting. <laughs> and a different kind of pleasure that I derive from Louder is writer. in the evenings. From visiting by moonlight the roads to on which I used to play as a child in the sunshine, while the bedroom in which I shall pres- presently fall asleep instead of dressing for dinner, I can see from the distance as we return from our walk, with its lamp shining through the window, hmm. a solitary beacon in the night. I love lamp. With its lamp and its bombs and its bombs These and shifting its lamp. and confused gusts of memory never lasted for more than a few seconds. In it often head. happened that, in my brief spell of uncertainty as to where I was, I did not distinguish the various suppositions of which it was composed more, uh, any more than when we watch a horse running. We isolate the successive positions of its body. They appear upon a bioscope. But I had seen first one and then another of the rooms in which I had slept during my life, and in the end I would revisit them all in the long course of my waking dreams. Uh, waking dream. Rooms in the winter where, on going to bed, I would at once bury my head in a nest woven out of the most diverse materials, the corner of my pillow, the top of my blanket, a piece of shawl, the edge of my bed, and a copy on a, of a children's paper, which I had contrived to cement together, bird fashion, by dint of continuous pressure, rooms where, in freezing weather, I would enjoy the satisfaction of being shut in from the outer world, like the sea swallow, which builds at the end of a dark tunnel, and is kept warm <laughs> by the surrounding swallow. earth. And where the fire keeping all night, Seaman. I would sleep wrapped up <laughs> and swallow, as it were, in a great cloak of snug and smoky air, shot the glow of the logs intermittently breaking out again in flame, a sort of alcove without walls, a cave of warmth dug out of the heart of the room itself, a zone of heat whose boundaries were constantly shifting and altering in temperature as gusts of air traversed them to strike freshly upon my face, from the corners of the room or from parts near the window or far from the fireplace, which had therefore remained cold. Does he ever stop describing shit and actually do shit? Or rooms in summer, yes, where I would delight to feel myself a part of the warm night. Just takes 300 pages. Yeah. But 300? This book is like it's like 6,000 pages. No, but 300 I just first time to, he does something. to do, do something. That's, That's probably about right. He drops a deuce. <laughs> or sometimes... <laughs> but it's the most beautiful... Very Joycean. That was funny. That was philosophical good. deuce. Or sometimes uh, the Louis the Sixteenth. So cheerful that I had felt too miserable in it, even on my first night. Oh, my God. And it was the slender columns that supported its ceilings drew so gracefully apart to reveal and frame the side of the bed. Sometimes, again, the little room which, with the high ceiling hollow, hollowed uh, in the form of pyramids. You think we had high ceilings when I was a kid? At which when I was your moment, age, ceilings were only eight feet. Mentally my po- head all the time. Mentally poisoned by the unfamiliar scent of uh, vetiver. 
I was convinced of the hostility. What? Vetiver? Yeah, V-E-T-I-V-E-R. So I was convinced of the hostility. The musk of a rutting deer. Of the violent curtains. It's a paint. And of the insolent uh, indifference of a clock. Oh, I'm sorry. A on. plant. <laughs> Jesus. I was, my microphone was You've been hanging out with me too much. <laughs> At the top of the voice as though I were not there. In which a strange, and, we're almost done. In which a strange and pitiless rectangular shovel glass. Standing across one corner of the room carved out for itself a sight I had not looked to find tenanted in the soft uh, plenitude of my David normal tenanted? field of vision. In which my mind, striving for hours on end to break away from its moorings, to stretch upward so as to take on the exact shape of the room, to reach the topmost height of its oh gigantic God. That's fucking good. Every thought I have is a painful important. night as I lay stretched out in bed, my eyes staring upwards, my, eye, my ears straining, my nostrils flaring, my heart beating, until habit had changed the color of the curtains, silenced the clock, brought an expression of pity to the cruel, slanting uh, face of the glass, disguised or even completely dispelled the scent of Vevitor, and appreciably reduced the apparent loftiness of the ceiling. Habit! That skillful but slow-moving arranger who begins my letting out, who begins by letting our minds suffer for weeks on end in temporary quarters, but whom our minds are nonetheless only too happy to discover at last. For without it, reduced to their own devices, it would be powerless to make any room seem habitable. Certainly, I was now well awake. My body had veered round for the last time, and the good ang- angle of certain—sorry, uh, and the good angel of certainty. Had made it all the surrounding contagious. objects stand still, had set me down under my bedclothes in my bedroom, and had fixed approximately in their right places in the uncertain light my chest of drawers, my writing table, my fireplace, the window overlooking the street, both the doors. But for all that, I now knew that I was not in any of the houses of which the ignorance of the waking moment had, in a flash, if not presented me with a distinct picture, at least persuaded me of the possible presence. My memory had been set in motion. As a rule, I did not attempt to go to sleep again at once, but used to spend the greater part of the night recalling our life in the old days at Cambrai with the great uncle at Baalbec, Paris, uh, de Concierges, Venice, and the rest, remembering again all the places, all the people I had, what I had actually seen of them, and what others had told me. And it just kind of goes on like that for two thousand pages, and bada boom, bada bing. I, I know why he he's so melancholy. <laughs> I know why he's so melancholy. Why? It's because whenever he talks to someone, they either run away or <laughs> fall, fall asleep. asleep. <laughs> he's got to be so lonely. I don't remember where the where the important bit is, but he eventually. <laughs> there's a part it's where somewhere he eats, in the third tome. No, no. There, there's a part where he eats he eats a madeleine, a little a little a tea what? cake, a madeleine, a little tea cake. Okay. Um, it sounds and, fascinating. And that basically well that basically I'm in. That's, that's that's more boring than dropping a deuce. It's not that it's that that one that one bite basically is what birthed the rest of that this fucking monstrosity. There's two Just more books one. about him describing a cookie? No, it's that that bite is what sort of like births the whole story itself. But this first part is the idea of I'm so disgusted with well, you right now. <laughs> Haven't you ever like just imagined yourself as someone else? 
No. <laughs> really? <laughs> You've never just been oh, mentally me? imagined yourself as someone else. Yeah, sure. I have. Why would I want to be anyone were, else but me? As a younger you, an older you, a different you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a, a yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Like of you course. Where there used to be. Even Walk a mile in another man's shoes. Right. But what does that have to do with the, taking a bite of a cake? Well, it, it has to do with, with embodying identity, being a character, be, being someone else. That's basically what's happening here. He's right. He's like. A hundred years ago, this was the closest leader. we got to VR. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of Literally Literary. I really like it, man. It's fucking pretty. That's fun. I like that a lot, actually. You don't know what fun means. I did. That was nice. I want to read it. Okay, read it. You go, you Enjoy go, yourself. I don't know if I have that much time. Yeah, no one does. Uh, I See, the funny thing is I've like often sat so many times to start this, and I've read even just what we read, and I'm like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you I hear that. Yeah. But it wasn't until now when I'm sort of reading it out loud and really just embodying it that it it fucking hit, hits me how beautiful how nice it is. Oh my god. Yeah, it's just fun, just man. the words he's using are very beautiful. No, it's a little bit of everything. It's 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 just the idea in and of itself to start a story that way. Um and it's really just to me at least it, like hauntingly relatable. And uh, like in a, and and just the the desire hauntingly to, relatable yeah just the desire to have you ever woken up in the middle of the day? <laughs> <laughs> who is he like a Larry the Cable guy seriously there's so there, just have you ever was, not known where you are have you ever taken a bite of tea cake and just been overwhelmed <laughs> with joy and have to write seven thousand pages worth of <laughs> ridiculous gratuitous <laughs> Five battles worth of cake talk. <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's it's about nostalgia, obviously, right? It's it's the really? times. The times were that's better. What remembrance, of, <laughs> remembrance of things past in search of lost time. Right? Oh, that's, that's what okay. genuinely. I mean, that's what the title is. But I know, but that's that's the beginning. That's the beginning image, right? That's the. I thought that's... we weren't supposed to judge a book by its cover. That's good. No, it's not. Don't, don't, okay. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't patronize. Yeah, me. that's the be- that's the beginning sort of sentiment, right? Is is. You know, the, uh, we love the past. I mean, yeah, sure, but even maga, just, maga, it, maga? it was so specific the idea of like when you wake up in bed and it's it, it's, but you're still not quite awake and you're either on your side or whatever, and you genuinely could be just as much in your childhood bedroom as you could be in your bedroom as an adolescent, or you know, in many of the beds that you slept in throughout the, your thirty years of existence, and 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 knowing that when you get up, when it actually becomes day, you. You might actually be there, or you could fall asleep and actually be there, or what, you know, what, I don't know. I like, it was beautiful. I had fun. Interesting. Keep telling yourself that. Yeah. Sounds like you, okay. That was really nice. There it was. I'm going to keep, fuck you guys.